What's up, Pillar? Y'all look absolutely amazing. Listen, as you're, as you're wrapping up the fellowship, here's what I know. I know that y'all came super excited for the fellowship because it sounds like a freaking stadium in this place. Um, I know that you came super excited for the coffee because the line is usually out the wazoo every Sunday I've been here for the last four weeks. But here's the real question. Did anybody come excited about Jesus this morning? Let's go. Hey, y'all, my name is Brent. I'm one of the new pastors here. I'm so grateful and so thankful for the opportunity to be a part of the Pillar family. Let me let you in on a little secret. This is one of God's greatest churches on this side of heaven. Uh, no, 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 no. We got to try that again. Y'all miss y'all mark, man. I got to train y'all. This is one of God's greatest churches on this side of heaven. There it is. Well, hey, if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter number one. I'm going to start off reading verses one through nine for a warning. I am going to read a lot of scripture this morning, but that's okay because most of y'all miss your daily Bible reading plan in your version app, so I'm just going to help you get caught up, all right? Uh, Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine. Here's the other thing you need to know about me as it relates to the way that I roll. I usually don't have three, four, five, six, seven points. And the reason why is because if you're not taking notes, y'all ain't gonna remember all the points no way. So here's what I'll do. I'll give you essentially a very big idea and we'll unpack that big idea. So I'm gonna read verses one through nine. Then I'll share with you the title of the message, which is in the form of a question. And then I'll give you a solution to that question and then we'll roll from there, and you'll have to pick up the nuggets along the way. Joshua chapter 1, if you're ready for the word, say amen. amen. Here's what it says. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, Cross the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Joshua, here's what I promise you. I promise you what I promised Moses. Son, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Joshua, you need to know no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. And let me tell you why. For I will be with you just as I was with Moses. And I need you to never forget this. I will not fail you or abandon you. But Joshua, just before we end this conversation, there's one more thing I need you to know. Joshua, I'm getting ready to do great things in your life, but I need you to be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Joshua, hear me very clearly. I need you to be strong, very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Do your own self a favor. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Joshua, one last time, this is my final command. I need you to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever 
you go. Y'all, as I was reading this text, I was having a conversation with the Holy Spirit as he was trying to prep me for this weekend. And the thing that stood out to me in this text, here's the title of the message, it's in the form of a question. What do you do when you're between here and there? This is the place that Joshua finds himself. He's in this place in the middle between here and there. Let me show you real quick. See, over here, Joshua is Moses' assistant. Y'all, Joshua is the assistant pastor of the Israel Baptist Church. (laughs) And over here is where Joshua's used to receiving orders. As a matter of fact, there was this time when they were in this battle, and Moses, the only way they could win the battle is if he held the staff above his head, and there was Aaron and Hur who was standing on his sides. They held that staff, but it was Joshua who was out on the front lines doing all of the work. But now, Joshua's dead. And I'm trying to get you to this place over there, Joshua, to where you're going to be the commander-in-chief. See, over here, you're not going to be the one receiving the instructions. You're going to be the one giving the instructions. As as this young leader, Joshua is not quite there yet. So the question remains, what do I do between here and there? And the truth of the matter is, I think I'm speaking to a whole bunch of people in this room this morning on Pillar Church who you also might between here and there. Watch this. You see, over here, you've got an amazing wife, amazing husband. You got your little boo thing that's your significant other, and hopefully y'all put a ring on it soon. You, you got good relationships over here. But over there, there's a man of God, there's a woman of God that's anointed, that's gifted, that's got the oil from heaven, and they have the ability to pull out of you everything that needs to come out of you in order for you to do what it is that God wants you to do. Some of you haven't hit your divine relationships yet. Watch this. Over, over here, you got a pretty good job. You got a nice little 401k. You get three weeks of vacation. You got some sick time. You got all that good stuff, and it's great. But at the same token, you know this is not your kingdom assignment. As a matter of fact, for some of you, you don't have the good job. You hate the job that you're on, and you are upset about where you are, and you know that God's got something amazing for you over there and you have not stepped into it yet. So as a result, you're kind of in this in between here and there. And the question is, is what in the world do you do? Can I suggest to you that that's actually the worst question you could possibly ask? You see, when you and I are trying to pursue purpose, trying to pursue the thing that God wants us to do, the first thing we ask ourselves is the question, well, what, what do I need to do? Who do I need to connect with? Who do I need to call? All this good stuff. But what if I told you that you getting to come or getting to do the thing that God wants you to do is less about what it is that you need to do and more about who you need to be? Notice the first five verses of the text. It's a conversation with God and Joshua. And God tells him, son, here's all the things you and I are going to get to do together. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to blow your mind. But Joshua, here's what I need you to understand. There are some things we're going to do together, but before you and I can do these things together, I need you to be a certain person. In Joshua's case, he needed him to be strong and courageous. Can I submit to you that maybe just maybe the reason why some of us, including myself, are in this in-between place is not because we're not gifted, not because we're not talented, not because God doesn't love us, but maybe... We're not stepping into who it is that God or what it is that God fully wants us to do 
is because we haven't become who he needs us to be. So for the next 25, 30 minutes or so, I want to walk us through the life of Joshua and what it looked like for him to be who it was that God needed him to be in order for him to do what it is that God wanted him to do. And along the way, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the application in your own personal life. But before I go any further, would you join me in a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your wonder. I thank you for being our advocate. I thank you for being our helper. And in this moment, I decrease and ask that you would increase. Hide me behind the cross and let me say only what it is you want me to say and nothing more than that. Would you anoint me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet? And God, in the, in the event I mess up anywhere, would you help me to just, would you make it up? But I pray that your presence would fall fresh in this room. And I pray that when people get ready to leave this place today, they would leave knowing that you are with them, that you are for them, and that you've got a plan and a purpose for them. So God, do your thing. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. So again, what do you do between here and there? Y'all, as I was sitting there and I was studying this text, I was looking at what it was that God wanted Joshua to be. And out of all the things he could have asked Joshua to be, he asked him to be strong and courageous. So in my study time this week, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, why in the world out of all the stuff you could have asked him to be, why would you ask Joshua to be strong and courageous? I think about it. You got him leading this entire nation. I mean, if it was up to me, I would say, here's what I need you to do, Joshua. I need you to go on YouTube and I need you to watch all of Craig Rochelle's leadership podcasts. Because this is the only way you're going to become a great leader. Uh, matter of fact, Joshua, uh, you're getting ready to lead 12 different tribes. It's a very big nation. You're going to have to do some administrative work. I need you to go study some of the best administrators that have ever existed. You would think, right? So then I get to this place, God, why did you ask Joshua to be strong and courageous? And here's what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, Brent, the reason why I asked Joshua to be strong and courageous is because the last time Joshua was strong and courageous it almost cost him his life. He said, son, turn to Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. So I'm going to paraphrase for you, but I want you, if you will, turn to Numbers chapter 14. For those of you who went to Sunday school, you're already very familiar with the story. In Numbers chapter 13, uh, you have, of course, Moses, who's one of the greatest leaders of all time. And he is in this position where he has gotten Israel out of Egypt, and it's time for them to go into the promised land. Now, as this great leader, Moses has wisdom, and he says, you know what? I know we're getting ready to go into this land. It's going to be a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. We should send some spies in the land. So Moses sends this 12 spies into the land of Canaan. They survey the land. They looking around, y'all. The land looked good. It looked like Scottsdale, to be honest with you. The topography was amazing. It's truly a land flowing with milk and honey, but here's the problem. These 12 spies, they see these giants in the land. So when they come back to give this report to Moses and Aaron, they say, listen, the land looked good. The land was flowing with milk and honey, but there's a problem. There are giants in the land, and we cannot take over this land with them there. We will lose. There's this fear that hits their heart. And that fear ended up spreading like a cancer through all of Israel. Now, everybody is saying we can't take over the land. Everybody's saying we can't do it. And here's what I need you to know. You should never allow fear to be the thing that paralyzes you from moving into God's promises. 
And here's the thing that makes me mad with Israel. They literally saw the God of the universe, as Preston likes to say, part an entire sea. They watch the army follow behind them. God shuts the sea up, completely swallows up somewhere between 15 to 20,000 men, not including horses and chariots. They watch them be the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. They watch God make manna and quail fall from the sky. If you've got a relationship with God like that, why on earth would you be fearful just because you see men made of flesh that are bigger than you? Here's the truth of the matter. In this journey and in this walk with Jesus, here's what I will tell you. If you're doing it right, there will always be a giant in front of you. There's always going to be a giant, and here's what you say. God, I've watched you take care of the giants in my past. I know you will take care of the giant in my present. But unfortunately, these fools didn't get the memo. So they're freaking out. They're saying stuff like, we need to get new leaders. We need to get rid of Moses. We need to get rid of Aaron. And then this young leader named Joshua has the audacity to stand against the crowd and speak the truth in faith. And I want you to see this amazing speech that Joshua gives in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, We're going to begin at verse number, actually 14. Where are we at, Holy Spirit? It's going to come to him in a second. Boom. 14, 6. Here we go. It says, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. I need you to see the picture here. Joshua has this courage, and he's, he, he's tearing his clothes off as if he was Hulk Hogan. And he gives this amazing speech to say, we can do this. We can conquer this land. There's no way that we can uh, ever be defeated. And as I'm reading the text, y'all, it's clear to me that Joshua is showing that he's strong and courageous. So I'm going back. I said, Holy Spirit, why are you t- I don't think you told me be strong. Why, why are you telling me strong and courageous? Until... I read the next verse. You would think that Israel would change their minds, but do you see what these people did after Joshua gives this speech? Look at what verse 10 says. It says this, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Friend, the reason why I had to tell Joshua to be strong and courageous is because the last time he tried to be strong and courageous, it almost killed him. And here's the thing. I'm trying to help him heal from his past. Here's the truth of the matter. Here's what I was trying to get Joshua to realize. Just because things went sideways over here, when I speak, it ain't going sideways over there. Watch that. Now, hold on now. Listen, if you're going to clap, you better. You got to give a good clap. You can't be, you can't be, if you're going to clap, you got to clap. I'll give you another shot in like two minutes, okay? (laughs) But watch this. There are some of you in this room that can't get over there 
because you're still stuck with what happened to you over here. It's been paralyzing you. And here's what you need to know. Don't be afraid because the Lord, your God, is with you. And just to give you a couple practical applicational points for all my single ladies in the room, here's the truth. I know he hurts you. I know you wished it would have worked out. Even to the fellas, I know she hurts you. I know you wished it would have worked out. But don't allow your experience over here to hinder what God's going to get ready to do over there. So while you're in the in-between, don't throw yourself at just anybody because you too, have too much value. Watch this. I know you're scared to move over there because of what they're saying. Said you're not qualified. Said you can't do it. Said you're not anointed enough. Said you're not gifted enough. But here's what the Holy Spirit says. But what did I say? You can either listen to them and get stuck right here or listen to me and we can do this thing together. Y'all, I, I know all too well of what it feels like to be between here and there. 2020 was without question one of the worst years of my entire life. And it had nothing to do with the fact that the world was shut down, but it had everything with, to do with the fact that God placed me between here and there. Well, what happened in 2020? Why was it so bad? I'm going to take some time to tell you this story because if we're going to roll together, I want you to know the type of person that I am and who you're rolling with. Um, so watch this. In order for you to understand 2020, you got to understand 27, 2019. 2017, I get my first vocational job in full-time ministry, y'all. I was 29 years old in Miami, Florida, 305 until the day I die, baby. And watch this. I was working at this church called Sweet Home Missionary Baptist Church. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Been preaching since I was 16, and this is the first time I get paid to do it. Hallelujah. So here it is. I'm working at Sweet Home, but I got, a, I got a blind spot. And my blind spot is I got a little spirit of pride and a little spirit of arrogance. And I didn't know it. So here it is, 2017, 2019, I'm rolling through Sweet Home. Things are going well for me. And all of a sudden, um, my wife gets this phone call from Arizona State University. Forks up. I see, somebody said, go devils. I just can't do it. We in church. Like, we cannot say, go just, it just don't make sense but forks up all day. So, so she gets this call from Arizona State University, but here's what you know. This is the second time they've called her in three years. They called her the first time in 2017. I said, no, nope, that's not it. Like, it's not the season for us to move. And I was right. And when they called again in 2019, here's what I said. Nope, that's not it. It ain't the season for us to move. I don't know nobody in Arizona. We ain't even been in Arizona. We've only been to Phoenix. When we went to Phoenix, it was dirty, but we ain't go to Scottsdale. Um, <laughs> True story. Uh, so, so here it is. I'm fighting against this move, y'all. And uh, there's this passage that the Lord shows me in Proverbs. He says, the heart of the king is in my hand. And like the rivers of water, I turn it towards my will. <sighs> so 
So I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and slowly but surely I start to see that we're supposed to make this move. And here's what you need to know. One of the reasons why I was so resistant about making this move is because I had my own plans. See, I had planned on planting a church in Miami at the University of Miami. I wanted to reach young college students. And uh, we started the church planting process with an official church planting organization. But then as the Lord softened in my heart, I'm looking at Arizona State University, and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, sixth largest university in the country. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Maybe this is the place I'm supposed to go. So by faith, we move within 30 days. Now we're in Arizona. I continue the process with this church planting organization. My wife and I go through a three-day assessment. At the end of the assessment, they give us the green light, y'all. We are certified church planters. I'm happy. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You validated me. I move like a fool. Hallelujah, right? About a month or two goes by. I'm in seminary at this time. The seminary I was attending was connected with the church planting organization. I'm in my preaching class in seminary. I preach this sermon, but I say something that offends one of my classmates. This classmate then sends an email to the dean. The dean gives me a call and says, hey, did you say this? I said, yeah, I said that. He said, well, she thinks, or, well, I'm supposed to tell you the gender, Lord have mercy. Um, (laughs) but, But this person thinks that what you said was extremely offensive. And as a result, because I'm still walking a little bit of pride, I lash out. I get a phone call a couple hours later. I get a call from uh, the provost of the university, and he says, Mr. Hatchet, because we don't feel like you're as repentant as you need to be, uh, we are kicking you out of the seminary. Next day, I get a phone call from the church planting organization, and they inform me that we are now dropping your church planting endorsement. Here's the process that I'm going through. I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm hurt, and I'm lashing out. I'm lashing out at my wife because I'm blaming her. Girl, if we would stay in Miami, this would have never happened. I moved out here because you got a phone call. And I, I said way worse than that, but that's for me to know and you to never find out. So I'm lashing out at her. I'm mad at this church planting organization. And to be honest with you, I am frustrated out of my mind with God. This is a winter season like no other. Thankfully, I ended up going to this church planting conference before all this stuff went down, and I wanted to do a church planting residency, and there was this table that had a church planting residency available. So I go, I talk to the people, I tell them what happened to me, I send them the video of my sermon, and the guy calls me. He says, hey, Brent, I watched your video. I just want you to know, man, we've got pastors, a part of our organization, who said way worse than what you said. You're all right. I said, thank you, Lord. But then he says, but here's the thing. We don't, we don't think you're ready to plant a church yet. Would you be willing to do an internship at this church called Cornerstone? Now, remember, I'm operating in a spirit of pride. I ain't hear job. I heard internship. <laughs> I'm 32. I got bills and a wife and a kid. You want me to do an internship? Oh, Justice is a pastor over here. You Internship. I decided to do the internship, but before I do, I said, well, let me ask you a question, man. How, how much internship pay? $1,000 a month, 
hey, Lord, this math ain't math. $1,000 a month, you, you see my... But I do the internship. Here's where it gets crazy. Internship starts third week of March. You know what happened the fourth week of March of 2020? World shut down. I got an internship with no church. So I'm frustrated with the Lord. I had it good over here. And you got me in this middle spot. Lord, what's going on? Watch this. My biological dad says, um, hey, man, like, what are you going to do for work? I said, Dad, I don't, I don't want to go get a job, like, back in corporate because I know God's going to call me at some point back to vocational ministry. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, well, I have an idea what you do. Let me, let me show you on this picture what I ended up doing, y'all. I became a dump truck driver. I went, and, sh- and matter of fact, let me just clear this up. Shout out to all the truck drivers who might be in the room. I love you. I thank God for you. You're amazing people. But um, yes. But back in Miami, my friends had a nickname for me, and the nickname was Bougie Bread. Bougie Bread don't know nothing about driving no trucks, okay? So I'm driving, I'm driving for the next six months this dump truck. Truck number 5138, to be exact. I'll never forget the number. And every morning, between 4 and 4.30, I'm waking up, and I'm going to the yard to go drive this dump truck, making $18 an hour. I am upset with God. And then one day as I'm driving in this truck, I finally have this conversation with the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, why, why do you... Why you, why you got me in this truck? Ain't, ain't nobody preaching this truck. This ain't no ministry in this truck. What you got me in this truck for? He said, because, Brett, when you were at Sweet Home, you were prideful and you were arrogant. And I got you in this truck because I'm trying to teach you some humility. Oh. Could it be that some of you are still stuck in your truck because you haven't learned the lesson he wants to teach you. You're so focused on how bad things seem to be around you, you're not paying attention to the surgery that God's doing on you. The truck was my surgeon's table where he laid me out for six months to get some stuff together. And it went from me being all upset with God, angry at God, to there would be some mornings, man, I'd get my little cup of coffee, got my little steel toe boots on, my little T-shirt from Walmart, my little jeans that was oversized, all that good stuff. And I'd be dancing and singing and praising the Lord because you got to learn how to rejoice in the Lord always in the in-between. Then I say, Lord, all right, I, I think I learned the lesson on humility. Can I get out the truck now? Son, you need to understand the other reason why I got you in the truck. Well, what's the other reason you got me in the truck, Lord? Remember what Paul said in Corinthians? What did he say? Paul said, I've become all things to all men so that I might win some. I got you in the truck because I know you, I know you understand the finance world and I know you understand to be around people who got money. I know you so bougie. You like to go play golf and all that good stuff. I got all that. But one day you're going to be standing, you're going to be preaching to a young man 
who was gifted, anointed, talented, a young woman who was gifted, anointed, talented. And they know that they can be doing so much more, but they're in a place to where they're making $18 an hour and you need to be able to reach them. I need you to be able to reach the multimillionaire and I also need you to reach the person who makes $18 an hour. Become all things to all men that you might win some. Oh, gotcha, God. You're good. Watch this. When you become who God calls you to become, he'll release you to do the thing he's going to ask you to do. This is what happens in Joshua's life. Fast forward to Joshua number two. So now we're in Joshua number two. Again, the instructions were, Joshua, I need you to be strong and courageous. Now, as I was studying this, y'all, I was just tripping because I feel like God has this crazy sense of humor. Because I'm saying to myself, okay, Joshua's got to be strong and courageous. How does he prove himself to be strong and courageous? Like, how does God know Joshua's actually being strong and courageous? I want you to see the decision Joshua makes in Joshua chapter 2. It's just two verses, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. It says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, for those of you, this might have went over some of your heads, so let me bring you up to speed so you can see the magnitude of what I just read. The last time Joshua was strong and courageous, the very people he's getting ready to lead almost killed him. And the reason why they killed him was he was doing the job of a spy. And now in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua's about to run the exact same play. Joshua, I know the last time we did this spy thing, you almost lost your life. But would you, would you, you trust me? Katie, I know, the, I, I, know the, I know the last time we did this generosity thing, you felt like it didn't work. But would you trust me? I know the last time you tried to reconcile, you got your heart broken. But would you trust me? Would you be willing to do the hard thing again? Here's what blows my mind about Joshua. Joshua was so committed to becoming who it was that God needed him to be that he was willing to risk his life. Here's the truth. If you're ever going to be who it is that God wants you to be, newsflash, it will cost you your life. You know what scripture teaches? Anyone who wants to gain their life, they got to do what? Lose it. So here's my piece of advice to you. If you want to be who it is that God calls you to be, you know what you got to do? Lose your life. How do I lose my life? I pick up my cross and I follow him. Nowhere in scripture do I see that the cross is light. The cross is heavy. The cross splinters you. The cross is painful. But whenever you and I make the decision to be who it is that God calls us to be, he gives us an oil and the mantle to do what no one else can do. Can I prove it to you? Look what happens. Joshua, as I get ready to land the plane, 
makes this decision to be who God wants him to be. He sends in two spies. Everything works out fine. They go check out the land. They almost get caught. Our girl Rahab covers them. Thank God for the ladies. Amen. Rahab covers them, sends them back. She cuts her little deal, sends them back. They go to Moses. They go to Aaron. Sorry, they go to Joshua. They say, hey, the land looks good. Everything is fine. And then Joshua's getting um, all of Israel together. He's getting uh, the priests together, having them carry the Ark of the Covenant. They're getting ready to step in. And I want you to see how the Lord honors Joshua because he became who God wanted him to be. Chapter 3, verse number 7. Look at what God says to Joshua. Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. The Lord said, Joshua, because you became who I needed you to be, I'm getting ready to give you a mantle to do what I need you to do. And when God gives you and I a mantle to do the things that he needs us to do, that's when you and I will start to see the miracles happen. What happens in Joshua's life? Let's fast forward, verse number 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is Nazarethan. And the water below that point flowed on the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Y'all, because Joshua made the commitment to be who it was that God called him to be, he was able to do things that only one other man on earth got the chance to experience. Do you not realize that in scripture we see that Moses, God used him and he parted a Red Sea, but because Joshua was faithful, he didn't listen to what people were saying. He didn't allow fear to paralyze him. He became who God called him to be and he literally got to see for his generation waters part again. When you become who God calls you to be, you'll get to see God do things that you thought he'd never do. So here's the question, how does the story end with me? I um, in there and I'm driving my truck. Now I'm driving my truck, I'm doing Amazon, I'm doing Lyft, I'm doing all this stuff, trying to pay these bills. Lord have mercy, I can remember it now. It just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. And um, I'm at home, I still fully intend on planting a church, so I start doing some devotionals and posting them to my social media account. And then I get a call from the church, they say, hey, we saw you doing these devotionals, do you, do you think you would come in and be willing to do some devos for us? Sure. Next thing I know, I get another phone call, hey, church isn't open yet, um, but we're, we're, we're putting the services online, we need people to live host, would you be willing to live host? Sure. Month or two goes by, hey, um, Church still isn't open yet. However, we're trying to put like more sermon content out throughout the week. Do you think you can come in and do like a 10, 15 sermonette? Sure. Get to December. Hey, church is back open. Um, we got an opening for the last, last weekend of the year. Do you think you'd be willing to preach for us? Sure. And I want you to see what my life would look like for the next three years. 
For the next three years, I would preach to more than 4,000 people on the weekends at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, one of the greatest churches on this side of heaven. Watch this. Year one, 20% of the weekends. Year two, 30% of the weekends. Year three, I was at 40% of the weekends. And here's what I need you to see. I'm not the guy who finished seminary. I'm not the guy who went to Bible college. I'm not the guy who was a PK. I'm not the guy who got connected because I knew somebody. I was the guy who was driving a dump truck. I was the guy who was lashing out at my wife because I was mad because I was stuck in the middle. But when I became who God needed me to be, which was humble and relatable, he then released me to do what he wanted me to do. Today is not a day about a cute sermon. Today is a day to set some people free. There's some of you who are bound, not because God is mad or angry at you, but because you're stubborn. Stop kicking, stop complaining, and realize that God's doing surgery on you. If you would just go under and relax and let him do what he does, you'll be who he needs you to be. And in the next season of your life, you'll start to do what he wants you to do. Can we stand real quick? And I want to invite the prayer team to come down front. As we get ready to leave, here's what I know without a shadow of a doubt. And this is what I'm going to pray about. There are some of you who are stuck because you haven't let go of the past. What happened to you in the past will not determine what God's getting ready to do with you in your future. So here's my advice. Let it go. And there's some of you are stuck in the middle because you haven't learned your lesson yet. Here's my word of encouragement. Surrender. Surrender to who it is he is asking you to be. Can I pray for you real quick? Hey, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this word. And I want to pray for every man, every woman that is in this room and whoever may be watching online, and this is my prayer. That God, you would get us to this place to where we would completely and totally surrender. God, I'm not going to pray a prayer that is safe. I'm going to pray a prayer that is hard, but I know it's going to be good for us. God, there are some of us in this room, you need to break us. God, would you break us so that we can be who it is that we need to be? There are other people in this room, God, we need you to heal us. Because there are scars that have taken place in the past. There are wounds that we have from the past. God, would you help us to get over the scars and the wounds? And I'm praying, Father, as we seek you with clean hands and a pure heart, that, Lord, you would show up and you would show out in our lives. That we would be resolute in our faith. And here's what I also know. I know that the enemy does not fight fair. So just for a second, I pray that no weapon formed against the people who heard this message, God, don't let it prosper. 
God, I thank you that you have called us to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I don't care how early in the morning we have to get up. I don't care how low the bank account may be. I don't care how difficult things may be in life. Today, we make a declaration before the enemy that we will rejoice always, that the enemy cannot steal our joy. The enemy cannot steal our peace because that is all found in you. And I pray that as we passionately pursue you, that God, we rejoice now that you are with us the same way you were at Moses, the same way you were at Joshua. God, we thank you that you are with us today. And I pray that the person who heard this message as they get ready to leave this building, that they would leave on fire, that they would leave with hope, that they would leave knowing that the God of the universe is on their side. And even though they may be in a season that's not comfortable, this season is preparation for the mantle. So God, we pray that we would be prepared to receive the mantle that you want to give to us as pillar people, people that follow the pillar, people who are dedicated and addicted to the pillar, people who desire your presence more than they desire your promises. God, we seek you with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls. And Father, the same way that you fall fresh in this room, would you fall fresh on our homes? Would you fall fresh on our jobs? Would you remind us that no matter where we are, no matter how the deep it is, no matter how wide it is, no matter how far it is, that you are with us. So God, I thank you. God, I bless you. God, I praise you. Would you do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or even imagine. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, come on, y'all. Let's thank God for the word.